Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. We are your morning show for any hour, especially if you're on the road, getting to some Thanksgiving grub right now. Thank you for having us on your trip. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon. How's it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine, and, you know, happy Thanksgiving week to all of our many, many listeners, including many new addition additions to the Hammerheads. Yes. If, if, if that can happen. I don't know if the Hammerheads were just a select group that started and they don't let anybody else in. Or there's a tier system, expand. I think. There's a there's, uh, is that there's right? a caste okay. system in our that's, that's in our right. fans. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. They're like a caste system. That's good. So happy Thanksgiving. And again, this is coming out on a Wednesday, and many of you are driving up or down. Hopefully it's a nice and relaxing drive. Somebody was asking me about travel during Thanksgiving, and we have a whole Thanksgiving segment on the show, but I do want to say you want to get a head start. Oh, yeah. Early, an early head start. I, when I worked at the Weekly Standard, when I started working there, so this was probably in the late 90s, and I had to go up to New Jersey, and it was a Wednesday because we finished the magazine on a Wednesday, and I had to bring up my my best friend Steve's girlfriend who happened to be in town and I was going to drive her up back to Jersey and bring her back to where he was and I could not because I was a staff assistant just leave like I'm going to get a head start and I was too sort of like scared to ask John Podhoritz my boss about like <laughs> leaving early so I just tried to wait and wait like when when are we done kind of a thing and finally I left I was able to leave the office on Wednesday before Thanksgiving at about three in the afternoon. <laughs> no, nope. horrible. It was terrible. Never Wednesday. Never Wednesday no, afternoon. It was a bit. I think I got I, I think I got there at like 10 or 11 p.m. No, that that's was, just double the it hours. Was, it was double the hours. It's, you know, anyway. Now, I if if pressed, if I have to choose between Wednesday afternoon or evening and just hanging in till Thursday morning, I'll just go Thursday morning. Oh, Thursday like, morning sign me is up. a great Sign me up oh, for Thursday morning. It is a great time to travel. There are far fewer cars on the road. Many people like to wake up where they are going to have Thanksgiving. But here's the other plus. You're on the road. You have a great excuse not to help out. <laughs> You're driving. I do. I evade, do? I evade helping most years. And I don't know if my, my consistent run has to do with the fact that I like can't cook. Maybe that's yeah. it. No, I, you, I'm actually no. I'm, a, I'm okay at it. I'm not great, but I can get a dish or two done. Um, yeah, this is something that we've never discussed. <laughs> do you do you cook? A, li- I assume a little. You cook. I'm not great. It's very it's sexist of me to assume that. But no, I just assume. I'm not a great cook, but I am proficient ish, and occasionally have a little flair. You know, it's like who I, who, I would... who does most of the cooking in your house throughout the week? It's sort of a group effort. Okay. Yeah. In- involving the girls. Are the kids, are yeah, the girls they, part of they the Yeah, they do food prep too. They're well, they're well-trained in wow. our house. Wow. In our house, you get cut off around first grade and have to make your own lunch and sometimes that, your own it. dinner. Yeah, you, know, you have to learn how to chop, mince, dice, <laughs> brunoise. Yeah. Well, and, and my husband is is very self-sufficient. He, and also just like, you know, eats troughs of meat basically. So like he just like makes. Troughs. <laughs> he does. Troughs. He's a man after my he own heart. He just cooks up pounds of meat and freezes them, and then he can reheat them. So he's fine. So we kind of we nice. have a dinner time, but we don't always have the same dinner. 
So we're all, yeah, we're all like, together. Yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird potluck sort of a thing. It is. It's sort of a it is, because I found weird. that, I found that, like, prepping food for the kids can just be faster and easier if it's not a whole planned meal for me. And, like, they're fine. They're getting protein. They're getting good food. They're fine. I do something I, I, hot. It's okay. I, I I tend to do a lot of the cooking because I enjoy, Kate likes cleaning. It works out perfectly for us. But sometimes there are disagreements over the menu. And yesterday, and she knew this yesterday, I cooked a Filipino classic, which is fried rice with Spam. Ooh. And, and you know, kids love that. I'm, in, no, no I'm in for it. You're in for that? No objections for the kids. You know, my wife, she was, she's not a, she was very skeptical of that they they did not grow up in Connecticut having spam you know if you're Filipino or from where maybe from where you are spam is a, cl- this it's a classic is a, this is a Venn diagram that's Filipino and southern and southern yeah no we like this stuff you know I, and so they're asking what is spam I said it's a it's a, it's a meat product mm-hmm. it's a meat product mm-hmm. in any event then I served that up and then she had kind of a separate meal yeah I mean it, it happens so, you know it, it happens, happens. Um, yeah. my my dad used to make the spam the picture on the on the can that's like the spam roast no, with right, but... with the cloves in it and no, with a with the cloves with a pineapple like glaze on it it was a whole thing we used how to have it? that how was it i liked it i'm not mad at it good for you you're up there what else deviled ham you like the, oh i the love deviled, deviled ham <laughs> no we've talked about this we have we, we have we have talked about this because this, this is my this is my apocalypse superpower is that i, I will have no trouble with the potted meats yeah Good for you. I love potted meats. Again, we are we will be the survivors in the apocalypse, Mary Catherine, because we're the yes. ones who are willing to eat that. Yes, we're going to be fine, and our digestive systems will be fine because they have been inured oh, to it. They've been, yeah, no, we've been conditioned to process the processed meats. Maybe, okay. maybe this is how I get out of making Thanksgiving is that they just hear me talking about processed meats too yeah, often. The, I will. You're willing to bring over <laughs> the potted the potted meat. All right. Okay. So we're going to get into more Thanksgiving talk and more menu disputes. We have a couple news updates. We're going to keep mm. it pretty chill. An yeah. FTX update, some news about how the COVID neurotic are approaching Thanksgiving mm. on this third year, where we're not really in a pandemic at this point, but they're they're gonna they're holding on. They and hope it will be. And we're gonna do an "Am I the a hole?" Thanksgiving mm-hmm. themed because everybody enjoyed it's that last one. time. So it's a good one. Let's let's start with FTX. Let's just do a little. Just do, just do a little update on this Charlie Foxtrot, I think, is how one would term it. I'm not going oh. to say the words because this oh, is yes. a family. Yes, ACF. Yes, yeah, that's ACF. right. That's right. Can you give us a little insight into how bad this got at FTX with Sam Bankman-Fried, who is, I believe, still like sort of on the lam in the Bahamas right now? Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, I've, you know, I mean, the safest thing for him to do is stay in somewhere where there's at least some sort of extradition difficulties and it's not easy to be easily arrested, shall we say, because of an investigation by, you know, the SEC or the Justice Department. With Sam Bankman Freed, of course, as we were just talking about, who was the head of FTX, the the brainchild really, you know, and he was and not only that, but a media and liberal darling, darling because yes. FTX was this big, very ESG, you know, which is environmental social governance minded company. And they were in crypto. And then it turned out, of course, as we explained in in a previous episode, he was using customer funds to make risky bets that did not pay off through his other outfit, Alameda Research. 
run, those, run by his uh, ex-girlfriend slash slash polyamorous partner. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Interesting. I'm not even, you know, the photos are interesting. I'll just say that. They all live together in the Bahamas. They all live together in the Bahamas. And he cost the company all of its money, which is billions and billions of dollars. It was once valued at about $32 billion. He himself was valued at about $8 billion. He had given hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, really, to Democrats and Democratic causes and also promised to donate a billion dollars. He had been giving money to committees. That's what's also yeah. interesting. And what it turns out now, as it's become clear over these last few weeks, he was basically hoping to buy his way out of any trouble or any investigation because he was a model of, as we call, effective altruism. Yes. And he was giving, by the way, also giving money to a lot of journalists and a lot of oh. journalist sort of incubators and nonprofits, yeah. Yeah. which that'll buy you a little bit of time, too, because nobody wants to use their prying investigative eyes to dig into where that money's coming from. Yes. And a lot of the so the media coverage of what what do you, the customer's money should be protected, but they know it's not protected. It's not FDIC, for example. There's no insurance. But they, they, you know, it was part of the terms of usage that your money would be protected, and it wasn't. And right. you just, but you, you have to just take their word. And of course, there was no accountability. As it turns out now, there was nobody overseeing. You know, there was a board of maybe three people. And they were all sort of S FTX people. So that wasn't good. And again, he cost everybody billions of dollars and countless creditors who may not get their money back. Yeah, there, and there's tales of like. Them just throwing money into a giant pot and no record existing of yeah. who was giving what when, which means how do you claw back mm -hmm. as much of that as possible? Now, if this goes to bankruptcy court, like I this is this won't happen because I think, you know, nobody's the press isn't going to push too hard for it, particularly if they're if it's Democrats and journalistic entities yeah. that are affected too much. But Democrats should have to go get that money back for these investors. Yeah. Maxine Waters has promised. Well, she's not going to be in the majority after after, you know, in January. But she had promised to look into this. But it is awkward because there's great photos of Sam Bankman Freed and Maxine Waters. It's and you mentioned the media as well, Mary Catherine. And it is interesting because it does put them in a bind. They seem to have really loved Sam Bankman Freed because he was, you know, their kind of guy. Reuters had a headline and it was, quote, Sam Bankman Freed did financial system a favor. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and there was the New York Times just this week did what was not, could not be termed a super critical piece on yeah. Sam Bankman-Fried. No. And they're like talking about how he's spending his time playing video games and how does he spend his time while he's sort of on the lam from this multi-billion dollar he feel, fraud. He, he feels better than ever, he says. I mean. Like this burden has been he's, lifted. He's DMing with Vox. Uh, yeah. Vox journalists just pouring his heart out because I think clearly he feels entitled to do that. Now, there there yeah. may be some real megalomania going on there as well, but I think he was in cahoots for a long time. So he feels pretty cozy. I believe for November 30th, the New York Times had a hell of an event planned. Have you seen this? Oh, yes. November 30th. Uh, with a lot with, of interesting people, a, lot with, of a great panel. A panel with Bankman Freed, Zelensky. Larry Fink of BlackRock and Yellen. That, yeah, that's, Janet Yellen. That's the lineup. Now that is yeah. like, wow. Talk about, see, now that is a Thanksgiving feast for conspiracy theorists right there. That's what that, 
<laughs> if if he if he didn't have to worry about setting foot on U.S. soil, he should have just shown up. Like, oh, I, I thought we were. I thought this was you know still going on. By the way, I did find a way that the media will get mad about Bankman-Fried or will cover him uh-huh. more aggressively, and it's this: there seems to be at least possible that there's some overlap in the forty-four billion that Musk used to buy oh. Twitter. So if we can find that intersection, that's where all the fire is going to go. That's yeah, what well, <laughs> as as Elon Musk so graphically dem- showed in a tweet. The everyone seems to be very fixated on what Twitter is up to, and not so much about what FTX is so, up to. So so focused, which is other people's money. <laughs> we are so focused on what Twitter is it up is. to. No, it just matters what kind of billionaire you are. That's that's just part of the deal. That's how uh, that's it works. right. We're, we're seeing that, and you know, you, you sent over. I think it was last week the the, the link to that Vox story. Yeah, and there was a quote in there that jumps out where he talks about. He says ESG has been perverted beyond recognition. And he said that how he feels bad for those people who got hurt. And the quote was hurt by, quote, this dumb game we woke Westerners play where we say all the right shibboleths and so everyone likes us. He just basically called out the gave, BS gave away on, the game. on ESG. He gave away the game. Gave away the game. Don't say the quiet part out loud, my dude. But he's saying it. And that's what happened here. Meanwhile, by the way, in other fraud news, our our Buddy Elizabeth Holmes was was sentenced to eleven years for her, for her Ther- yeah. Theranos related fraud. So we'll see what becomes of Sam. I, I get. I guess the judge did not take Cory Booker's letter. It's not a letter of recommendation, but it was a letter for leniency, leniency, saying that he had known her for many years even before that. And please, you know, you know she means well. Okay. You know she she's just trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That did not seem to have an effect. No. So she's got eleven years. And she's also is it am I am I wrong? Is she, didn't I hear that she's also pregnant? Yes, with her second wow. child. And Goodness. like that, look, that's tough for the kids who didn't yeah. they didn't commit any crimes, right? No. But she also has to pay a price. And I think that often fraudsters on a large scale like her really get off with pretty light punishments. Oh, they really because do because they have a lot of money. They mm-hmm. have a lot of powerful friends who write them mm-hmm. letters for leniency, and it seems unfair to me a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. she's getting a pretty large penalty. Have I ever told you the story about how, uh, I mean, it was like five years ago, four years ago, I was driving for the holidays down to my hometown, mm-hmm. listening to a podcast about, about Theranos. And I was listening to Elizabeth Holmes and I thought, do I sort oh. of sound like Elizabeth Holmes? <laughs> and your I was voice like, is still higher than I was like, no, no, that, I, it's fine. I don't sound like Elizabeth Holmes. This is my imagination. And then my three-year-old wakes up in the back of the car and she goes, Mama, is this you talking on this podcast? <laughs> and I said, oh, no, honey, it's not me. And she said, are you sure it sounds like you? You might as well break out the black turtleneck. Look. Just own it. Look. Yeah. If having a deeper register than the average female could get me a bajillion dollars, I'd be in a, I'd be, be, I is, wouldn't be doing this podcast, Vic. Was I know? Tell me about it. Don't <laughs> even get me started. Was the lower voice supposed to be met? The thought was that they'll take her more seriously. No, and, versus a higher voice. Yeah, I definitely think it was. It was a bit of an affectation. Mine's all natural, baby. But I think hers was a bit of an affectation. I will say it is a bit unfair to women just as a part of biology, which I know we're not allowed to acknowledge, Mm -hmm. but having a squeaky voice or a high register voice, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to cut through 
it's it's harder to take seriously. It's harder to mm-hmm. cut through a crowd if you're having a discussion mm-hmm. with a number sure. of people. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be heard on TV. Sometimes, mm-hmm. in the case of like a Hillary Clinton, you might sound a little, oh. a little grating, right? Yeah, well, shrill. And, like that's, shrill is the word. That's I... just that's yeah. how God made your voice. Although I would argue uh. that she had access to a lot of vocal co- coaches who could help her. But I think hers was a bit of an affectation. I'm here to tell you that mine's real. Okay. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. It wouldn't have worked on me. No, I would. I'd say, you know what? I'm going to hold back. I would hold back my my millions of dollars in funding because I'm not, you know, I'm something about this. If her voice was bubbly, you'd you'd prefer that. Here's the checkbook. Here you go. <laughs> just so I just I signed it. It's a blank check. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Now we know. Now we know how to pitch Vic. Bubbly um, is what I okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, you know, my wife is like, wait a minute. I don't have a bubbly voice. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Kate has a lovely voice. She has a lovely voice. Um, she really does. Okay. So one more. <laughs> One more semi semi political story before we just get yes. to food and yes, food yes. and Thanksgiving controversies. This is a bit of a Thanksgiving controversy. Our one of my favorite doctors who I follow on the Twitter of Anay Prasad is He's writing great. about Stat, a Boston Globe subsidiary, running a poll, quote unquote, of thirty-four Expert. infectious disease experts about what they're doing for COVID. If you are thinking, gee, that sounds like a story from two and a half, three years ago, you cannot be blamed for that. that yeah. This does sound like that story. And the the results of this, first of all, it's not a real poll because it's just 34 experts. And their answers are cray-cray, as Prasad puts it. Yes. Their I'm, answers, shaking, I'm shaking my head vigorously. Their answers yeah. are demented, betray a deep ignorance about COVID-19, and more generally show that they are incapable of judging risk. COVID will circulate for 10,000 years. All you can do is lower your risk of bad outcomes before you get it the first time. The only thing proven to do that is vaccination. After you get vaccinated and or after you get COVID-19, you have only one decision to make. How do you want to live the rest of your life? Not this winter or this year, but the rest of your Mm -hmm. life, he says. And he goes on to explain how kids have such low, you know, all the things that we always talk about. The problem is that we are being so often led by experts and public health folks who bizarrely disregard the data, take on untested, unstudied, quote-unquote, remedies, like CO2 filters and stuff. They haven't real and and masks that they've barely randomized trial studied, and say, aha, this is how we should all be living. So they have (laughs) these answers like, you know, they're going to exclude people. Half of them, more than half of them, are going to exclude people who are unvaccinated from their Thanksgivings, even though they themselves are vaxxed. Right, um, many times. And we know now that that it's not a part of the equation the way we thought it was going to be. Do you eat indoors in restaurants? I will say, more than half of them do, so that's good. But we still got some, we still got some outliers. There's a couple people in there who say there's one expert who dons a mask for like takeoff and landing but not the rest of the flight oh and and they're carrying their 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 co2 monitors yes yes just carrying them with them i again the distance between those folks and people who have have had Mm -hmm. to make real risk analysis because because they had to work or -hmm. who did because they wanted to live right the distance between these two groups of people is crazy and we we have to stop trusting these 
the neurotic experts I can't do anymore. No. I can't. And they're, neuro- they're neurotic experts who have a platform. They got a bullhorn. Yeah. And so, I mean, if there were anybody else on the street, expert or not, you'd be like, well, that's up to them. If that's how they want to live, you know, then, then fine. But what happens now, as you mentioned, you know, it's a headline of, oh, 34 experts yeah. on infectious diseases say, you know, you better mask up and get your kids masked. Yeah. That's the problem. And it's like they're trying you. What you, you know, he talks about this in the piece. We talk about it all the time about going back to normal, living our normal lives the way we have through most of civilization, which is without these masks. Certainly not, you know, these K95 masks. They want you to think that where having your kids masked, you know, at this point and vaxxed and masked, the whole deal is normal. Yeah. Going into a place is normal. Wearing your mask. <laughs> Take off and landing is normal. Well, it's not. and it's even worse. It's, it's even worse than normal because they take it to another step and they they make it effective is what mm-hmm. they say and altruistic. So if mm-hmm. you don't do it, you're just selfish. Oh, and it's like, right? No, it's not selfish for you to want your kid to go to school unmasked yeah. and speak to people face to face. That's not unselfish. Yeah. And every erosion of civil civil liberty, civil civil liberties, civil. <laughs> liberties yes. for the past two years, demanding those and objecting to them being taken is not selfish. That's just That's right. how freedom is supposed to work. And actually, we should have thought about it way harder in the early goings of this of this event as a society. So anyway, he, he goes on to say what a, what a sad, what a sad group of experts. They think they're so wise. They understand the virus so well. And that with a CO2 meter on an airplane or a rapid test in their pocket and a KF 94 with gaping holes around the nose, they can avoid the inevitable. But they will just make themselves sad, lonely, and crazy. And in two years, they'll throw in the towel. Like, we've already done this. Here's the other interesting thing. You've been hearing a lot, for example, in the news about kids getting, not from COVID, but kids getting very, very sick from the flu and RSV, right? Which is the respiratory illness and and virus. And one of the things they say is it's because kids have not been exposed to these things early on. Right, this is the immunity so, debt that we're dealing with. Immunity debt. And so it's hitting them like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And again, what this means is that the more you isolate, unless you are, in fact, you know, immunocompromised and you have issues, I understand that. But if you are a normal, healthy person, a regular person, and all you do is stay into it. You never want to go out again. You're never going to go to a restaurant or anywhere else or see other humans again. The more vulnerable you are to, to yeah. even the mildest flu, and it's going to hit you harder than the rest of us. You have to be out there. It's the whole point. And he talks about this. Yeah. You know, this is how it works. This is how humans were meant to be around each other. Right. And this is this is part of it. And here's here's how I do risk analysis. The kids and I had flu shots this week because flu is more dangerous mm-hmm. to them than yes. COVID is. And flu is more dangerous to me this year because I'm pregnant. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of off and on on the flu vaccine. It's just Do we get around to it? Same. Do I, Same. Do I feel like it's on target for the year? Because a lot of times it's not on target for the flu, mm-hmm. but it can still minimize your experience yes. a bit. So we went ahead and did that because I've been waiting for whatever the ton of bricks is to hit us. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, but that's how I do my cost-benefit analysis because... To me, the COVID vaccine or the COVID bivalent booster is not showing me anything, but the flu one is, right? Yeah. There you go. Exactly. So anyway, hopefully we will roll into the holiday season feeling fairly healthy. I did have did have one kid feeling a bit under the weather this moring, and I'm like, it's ah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's going around. It went through our, the flu went through our house pretty hard. It hits the kid, kids harder, unless it was RSV, because that's also very, kids are more susceptible than, than grownups, apparently. I was very fortunate. I had gotten, I think we must, I must have talked about it on a previous episode, but I had gotten the flu shot. And then I think it was a week after my surgery that I experienced symptoms. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Which is, thank goodness, I wasn't getting tested right before, because they test you right before you go yeah. in for you know, procedures, and that would have thrown everything off, so in any event. All right. Um, Let's bring yeah. up the room. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. All of, you uh, guys, all of you guys, stay well. Stay well. Don't be so like that these you can, people we talk about. So you can join there, your family. Live your life. Yes. Shall we do some Thanksgiving uh, controversy talk? Uh, oh, let's do it. Because, you know, there's, the always, there's always the controversy. First off, can I say that there seems to be a supply chain problem with the how do I talk to my right-wing relatives pieces. They disappeared this year. What do you, what do you think that is? Well, two things. I think everybody was really concentrated on Elon Musk and didn't have time to catastrophize Thanksgiving. Two, how do you talk to your relatives about Elon Musk? Right. Exactly. <laughs> two... Two, I think that a bunch of people probably just gave up and don't talk to their relatives anymore because COVID gave them an excuse not to and they don't engage. Yes, maybe. <laughs> and that makes me sad. But I think that's probably true. Also, we had really reached the limit on those pieces. Like how yeah. to be a human. Yeah, if you're not a, if you, if you don't know how to interact with people. And I think for, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there are people who, who are very COVID cautious and because they haven't had any social interactions, they come out. And it is weirder when they're back out yeah. now and they're like sort of not used to things. So I, 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 there's there's something to be said about that. But I would say you're right. By and large, people are over it. And the other thing, of course, is the red wave turned into a red trickle. And so democracy is saved. Oh, that's a good point. There would have and been so more of have these to... pieces if, oh, you, needed yeah. to, oh, my if you needed to proselytize yeah. over that's Thanksgiving. Right. That's right. So that, But I'll tell you this, and I have a – my general feeling is – and we've talked about this – I don't, I look, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays of the year, if not the, my most favorite holiday okay. of the year. And I love to eat, as you know, and I love to drink. <laughs> yes. And we also, you know, spend our days dealing with politics. So what I like to do on a day like Thanksgiving is not talk about politics. Yes, agreed. And that's very, and so, you know, in terms of the issue, oh, we're going to talk about politics. It's not necessarily we're going to disagree and have a big fight. Although that could happen. Yeah. It's more like I do this all the time. I really don't want to talk about it. Although I was I was just on the phone right before the show with my buddy Todd up in Jersey and he said, Hey, this is this is the job you chose. This is the profession. Well, you gotta pay the price. So here's the problem. Yeah, you but be, you become a bit of a a bit of a carnival exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> At, yeah. at the at yeah. the Thanksgiving dinner, because as we've learned over many years, so a lot of people don't know how to talk about politics. So they go to the person who knows how to talk about politics and then you end up maybe sort oh. of policing or or not policing, yeah. moderating a discussion among folks. And I this would this would happen to me often when I would go home for the holidays. Just I don't do this anymore because I'm too old. But when you go to the bar the night before with all your night before Thanksgiving yes, with all your I used to hometown love that. friends. Oh, I used to love that. So yeah. I would get drawn into a lot of political discussions that way. And I don't want to be refing political discussions between high school buddies at 1130 p.m. No. the night before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And sometimes they have terrible opinions and you want to just like that makes, you know, no, but but you hold that. Also, you know what? I get paid for that. OK, I do. 
That's what I say. I'm getting paid for it. Come on, man. I, well, if you're good I at will, something, don't yeah. do it for free, Vic. That's, no, that's, that's what that's, they say. Right. That's 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 what. And in many professions, they say this. But <laughs> but no, I, I I feel that way, and I I feel like my answers are fairly muted. Like yes. I don't go into so uh, this morning. You know, I stopped by for coffee and saw my father-in-law and some of his church friends, uh, and and immediately somebody said, "Oh, what's the word? What's the latest on Georgia?" You know, and I was like, okay, here we are. And now the news, you yeah. know, but I, I just not, I said, ah, it's also, you know? it's also the, like a, ah, is what I said. it's like a drug though. Cause once you get me going, I'm like, well, here we go. Yeah. So I have yeah. to, I have to sort of cold. And then you're doing it for free. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I have to sort of cold, cold turkey it. No pun intended yeah. during Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. Okay. A couple questions, Vic. Yes. Yes. Mary Catherine. So this year, because of inflation, some have suggested, and there's been some reporting, that eating out for Thanksgiving might be more cost-effective than making a homemade meal. How do you feel about this proposition? Well, it really depends on where you eat out. You know, I mean, a lot of people like to go to... I get all these little emails from fancy restaurants about special Thanksgiving dinners, and I imagine a lot of people like to do that. My thought is, if you're going to go all out, you go all out. And Thanksgiving, to me... It's a big holiday. It's a holiday to give thanks. And there are many other days that you can save and have a simple meal and you want to cut back in different ways. But I feel like Thanksgiving is the one day you should be able to say, hey, we're going to go all out. So, I mean, if you go, my only thought about restaurants is, I mean, fine. For example, when I was abroad in in in, in Vienna, right? You know, Thanksgiving came and went, and I think me and a, a bunch of Americans who were there, we went to McDonald's, <laughs> you know, which is the saddest thing ever because I love Thanksgiving. But that's that's just because of location. I will say, you also people who who should who can go to restaurants who get a pass, extenuating circumstances. For example, like the the, the Thanksgiving after my mother passed, yeah. you know, we, we're not going to sit doing around the, whole thing. Yeah. the dining room table. It's just sort of Number one, it's depressing. And number two, nobody's making her amazing French stuffing. Yeah. So, you know, uh, please. So we went out. We went to Peter Shields in Cape May. But that was a lovely there restaurant. And now now we're going down to My wife's cousin lives down the street. It's wonderful. And I handle the cocktails. That's my job. And so that's that. But what about you? What do you well, think about you're this? You're going to hear This is my sacrilege on this. You know what? If I were going to, if I, if I were in a position where, say, mm. I don't know, I'm this baby's coming at Christmas time. But if I were like, shortly before having a baby or shortly after having a baby and couldn't really handle doing the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to laugh. I would get Boston Market catered. I'm not even laughing, Mary <laughs> Kath. That's not even funny. That's not even funny. Let me tell you something, Vic. Yeah. Boston Market. I've had Boston, Boston Market. Boston Market makes I'm a not... very solid, delicious rotisserie chicken. They also have turkey on the menu, although I might just go for chicken as many as many Americans are doing this year because it's cheaper. Chicken tastes better. It's and the sides bird. are great. They're yeah. nothing to sneeze at. It's a great, solid meal, and it has a lot of Thanksgiving elements, and I would just I would okay, just throw my money at that. Okay. Interesting take. I would say if you're going- <laughs> I'm not even laughing, he says. I'm not even- No. If you're going that route, if you're going that route, I just heard from a colleague of ours that Popeye's, Popeye's chicken sells- a turkey. Yeah. A turkey that has already the Cajun brine. I turkey. mean, I love a, and I I love a fried turkey. I'm not mad it's at a it. Small, it's, a small, it's a smaller bird. You have to heat it up. It's about 50 bucks. Yeah. But I love a fried turkey. And super, I'm not super, sure if this is fried. I'm fried. Too good to be true if it's fried. But well, then you'd have, if heating it up, you'd have, tr it'd be tricky getting it crispy. 
But I do love a fried turkey, and those are very quick to make as long as they're thawed out. So I enjoy that. Yes. Please, listeners to the show, I'm sure many of you know how to fry turkey, but those who don't, please make sure your turkey is very, very well thawed room temperature because that's where the accidents yes. happen. And most most everybody these days has like an electric fryer, so they're not as dangerous or that it's just contained. It, it doesn't yes. overflow in the same way. That the big kettles do. So apparently we're out. doing. Apparently my wife's cousin is doing a fried turkey out on the deck. But my brother-in-law, Captain Bill Dwyer, the fire marshal, will be there to super. He can be relied upon. Okay, I yeah. think we might have done this controversy last year, but what time? For oh yes, this is a great one because you mentioned this is a, a Becky Crystal column in the Washington Post. Yes, our family, both my wife's family and our family, have traditionally been the same around the same time which is about 2 p.m. I don't think anybody does any earlier than that, but 2 p.m., I like that time. You can have a light breakfast, and then I, but I can't wait. I can't wait till dinner for a big meal, and I don't want to have a big meal late at night. What about you? No, I, so I, we agree on this. I think both Steve's and my family are also in the two to four zone. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, a noon or a one is too early because you can't be oh, prepping all that. You it's like no. it's like when no. you have a noon kickoff for an SEC game and you got to get drunk at 9 a.m. Like it's right. not helpful. I can't I can't do that. I don't want to I don't want to get out of bed early so yeah. that I can I go mean, to the I mean you can do it but it's it, you can do it but it's not pleasant. It's asking a lot. So that's that's my feeling on the early mm-hmm. one and the late one, you know, it's just out of the question. Set, like the, she she mentioned people who eat from seven to nine on Thanksgiving. What are we doing? That's insane. No, you're you're getting into John Candy territory. You know the stories of yes. the late John Candy, and you know by the time everyone's having such a great time at his place that all of a sudden it's 10 p.m. and he's popping the turkey, and then at 10 p.m. like now, what are you doing? Now I will say that my family, much more than my much more than my nuclear family with my children now, my family growing up ate at a more European hour. We definitely really? my dad. Well, my dad worked at newspapers. So he came home later in the night. And so we would have a fairly late dinner, especially in high school when the kids could stay up. And oh, so, sure. and my parents grew up partly in Europe. So it was just like, yes, part of the way we love to eat later. They, so they're, I would, they're, I would tell friends in high school that I was coming out after dinner and they would be like, so we'll see you at midnight. But, <laughs> but we do you know, not and do you're rolling in there because you're so stopped. Yeah, you but know? we do it's not like... do Thanksgiving that way because it's too big a meal. So, but yeah. occasionally, yes, we will have friends and family to my house uh, back home with my parents and starve them for there, a couple of hours. <laughs> no, and the thing is, you get crazy hungry, and you have to really, trust me, you're going to get full, but it is probably the toughest part of Thanksgiving is not eating a lot before Thanksgiving. Yep. And, you know, so our Thanksgiving, when I grew up, it was around 2 p.m., but it does require, as people say, out of prep, In the, somebody has to get up early morning to pop the turkey in. And even prep, my mother would do prep the night before. Yeah. You know, she'd make these great, no, amazing the only, sort of lumpia egg rolls and things. You got to, you know, get them ready. I would say if I ever graduate to the point that I am the host of Thanksgiving, which I have never mm-hmm. done, we could be having dinner from 7 to 9 p.m. just because I'm not good at planning. <laughs> it will be like. Yeah. You'll tell them 2 p.m. And it won't actually be till 9 p.m. I'll be like, that's, oh, that's gosh, I didn't realize I only have one oven. So when, when uh, at your Thanksgiving. If it's not you, I assume it's your mother or your mother-in-law when they're running the show, right? And they're yeah. basically the showrunner for Thanksgiving. How are they during the process? So I don't see a ton of the process because I often come in 
you know, skate in. Right, right as they sit skate down. Skate in with the children. So, right, well, and you just, because I sometimes drive on Thanksgiving, right? You, yes, you come now, I just usually, in time for grace. I usually make an appetizer or a side, right? Something pretty sure. decent. I make a very nice spinach and artichoke dip. It tastes oh, just I'm like so a restaurant. It's have that right now. so yummy. Yeah. By the way, don't ever make spinach artichoke dip because you will very quickly be disappointed. What is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Disillusioned, yes, disenchanted. About like there, are, there are veggies in it, so you're like, this is good for me. It's not good for you. It has every fat in your house. <laughs> I was in gonna there. say, no, I mean, if it, <laughs> if, it but, if it tastes too good, to so be I'll make, I'll right. make something small. I'm just, I don't make something yeah. gigantic. And my game is really a game of deference to the host, and that's yeah. important because, as far as I'm concerned, they're doing everything perfectly, and yeah, I'm, yes, I'm just there to lay out napkins well, and support staff in some way mm-hmm, and keep mm-hmm. my children out of their way that's really what i'm there for i, I was going to say the same you know my mother she she never stressed out in the kitchen unlike certain other people i know who go crazy so she was never stressed she enjoyed she loved being in the kitchen so she would just you know that's her her whole day was there and it was great the flip side of that by the way is that by the time you sat down for thanksgiving around two o'clock a lot of the food that she had prepped way ahead it's all about the same temperature. So this is a this is a yeah. magic power that my mother-in-law has that I need to learn. I, I really cannot manage time like this. Mm-hmm. All of her stuff seems to magically show up warm at the same time. And I don't know oh, how impressive. it's possible. That's impressive. I mean, you might need a couple ovens, you know. Yeah, it's I've always marveled at it. And I and I kind of don't want to peek behind the curtain because I'm just like, this is too magical to no. mess with. Yeah. Just <laughs> And she seems very unstressed, but I think that's because she does her stressing before we get there. So. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But it's very nice to have somebody who's very pleasant because, you know, it's a special day. Yeah. It's very, okay. it's, it's very cool. Someday, someday maybe I'll graduate to that. I'm, I'm acting like I'm a child right now. Like I, I, have, I have my fourth child on the way and I'm like, maybe, I, one, I'm not, day. maybe yeah. one day I'll host a Thanksgiving meal. Well, would we'll you see. believe I, I've, we have, we have, not, well, we, we hosted a Thanksgiving meal once because my daughter was born on Thanksgiving. So my know. in-laws just came to the house and they brought everything. But I personally, I have never roasted a turkey. Really? I've roast chicken. I roast chicken. As you know, I do a, I, I do a, uh, I can do a bone and rib roast. You know, I can do that. But I have not actually done the turkey. And, but I'd like to. Mm-hmm. And one day, I will. One day you will. Okay. I have fried a turkey before for a meal, so I guess oh, I, I have done the main done. the main bird before. You. But more than me, honestly, more than it's me. really it's a cheat. It's a cheat. It's very. Well, it easy. takes less time, right? It takes less. It's time. easy and it's delicious, man. Yeah. All right. Do you have any must mentions hey, I, oh, that we got oh, we got to go into? Yes. Yeah. Must okay. m- m- must mentions. What do you mean? Like, like what to have? What yeah. To eat? Anything I'm missing? Must haves from your from your menu? Anything we haven't talked about oh, before we get to? I think stuffing M-I-D-A is really okay. yeah 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 okay good. So I think stuffing is very important. A good stuffing. When you talk about the MI the a hole segment, the wife in this story we're going to talk about, she talks about you know like a, a box stuffing. That's not that's not going to pass for me. Yeah. Again, I grew up with a French stuffing, which is ground pork, chestnuts, and celery, Ooh. and it's amazing. And it cooks. You have to cook it in the bird, otherwise it's going to be very dry. I love mashed potatoes. I I will make the mashed potatoes generously with butter and milk. Maybe slip in a little a couple pats of cream cheese. Oh heck yeah! It doesn't hurt. Yeah. I think gravy is really important for the turkey, the potatoes, and the stuffing. I I don't mind cranberry sauce in a can. Neither do I. I'm fine with that. I don't discriminate that. on that. And and I like a good pecan pie. Yeah, that's my dessert more so than pumpkin pie. I'm um, not a pumpkin pie person. Yeah, I will have it, 
but I'm not like I gotta have. I'm a little pie. off the off the Thanksgiving menu to an apple pie. That's kind of where I like to be. I like that too with a side, as long as there's ice cream. Yeah. How about for you, a yam, so, sweet potatoes? So we also like? have a family stuffing that is Im- mm. important, and it's a cornbread stuffing. It's very. Is there Southern. any meat in that? There is no meat in that. There's there's broth, but there's no meat, and but there's celery. There's about an eighteen wheelers worth of sage that goes into mm-hmm. it. Yes, I can I can pick. Yeah, I could picture that. To the to the point that you have to be careful not to make it unappetizingly green. Like there's yeah yeah there's sure. a color control issue. Interesting that yes. happens. Sage, but we only we only make it once a year because it is labor intensive. Uh. My dad usually does it. He has he has taught me how to do it. And you got to start with really dry cornbread. That's the key. You got to dry yeah, out you your cornbread because you got to put as much broth in there as possible. So you make it so, so, so dry. And then you just load it up with broth and celery and all mm-hmm. the good stuff. So we will do that. We do canned cranberry as well. No shame. No shame. No shame. It's interesting in the South, mac and cheese is a huge Thanksgiving dish. Oh, there'd be no objections in my family. And like if nobody's that was the case. nobody's avoiding mac and cheese at our gatherings, but it's not usually top of the list. We have a potato dish that has a bunch of cheese and sour cream and onions with cornflakes baked on top. <gasps> oh, I'd have to try that. It's fantastic. You got crunch in there. It's fantastic. Part- oh, um, I'm gonna pass out now. Oh my gosh. I've I've gone for. It's I go continue, please, please. <laughs> Because I'm about to faint. I haven't eaten. And then, of course, I think the green bean casserole is a go-to. It's a beautiful, simple, cheap recipe. And I think bang for your buck. It's just fantastic. I know. Sonny Bunch thinks it's the best. Our friend Sonny Bunch I happen to agree with him about that as a side. Like, would I take my cornbread stuffing over a green bean casserole? Yes. But for things that are accessible for everyone and that most people have, I can Green take it. I can I can take it or leave it, and I'll That's tell just you. Crazy. You know, I'm th- well. Also, this. Also, this. Mm-hmm. Pro tip to our listeners: don't have too much green bean casserole. Well, you're not. You don't want to waste all your tummy space on that. Well, not only that, you could have. Oh, issues. you're gonna That's have all some I'm problems. Saying. Yeah, yeah, that stuff has some issues. Okay. Let's finish up. AIT with a little bit of am I the a hole? Okay, this one's from a couple days ago. As I, as I have explained on Reddit, which is a an online forum, people will write in with their sort of family and relationship concerns. This is a good and one. Controversies. I have, I have, I have got thoughts. And see whether they're in the right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's this one. I cook Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners every year for my husband, his family, and our kid, and have for Laborable. 16 years. Oh. I put a lot of love, planning, and effort into making it a really special day. This year, between work, parenting, and everything else, I'm tired, and I don't want to cook Thanksgiving. I went to him and asked if we could just go to a nice restaurant instead. To my surprise, he said he'd handle it. However, even cooking a simple Thanksgiving meal requires forethought, like getting the frozen turkey in the fridge to defrost. Now is the time to pick up some items. I don't know if he if he knows what he's signed up for. So she starts asking him, you know, when are you planning on doing the mm-hmm. grocery run and what dishes are you planning to serve? And finally, she realizes that he's decided to go really simple. And simple is a meal of turkey breast, mashed potatoes, and broccoli. So his whole family's coming over. He's doing this. She said to him, that's not really a special holiday dinner. I wouldn't have agreed to this if I thought that this is what you were going to do. She suggested widening the menu a bit. He gets defensive and she says, I'm taking back over. (laughs) And he says, you're being a jerk and just trying to get your way. 
Is she the a-hole for taking back over? Absolutely not. (laughs) This is one of the great holidays of the year, one of the great American holidays of the year. And the whole theme of the holiday, some holidays is gift-centric and other holidays. This is a food-centric holiday. And that's the whole thing. Obviously, there's also religious centric holidays. I don't want to get in trouble here, you know, Christmas and things. But this is the whole thing is about the food. And the idea that the guy was just going to have, oh, turkey breast, mashed potato, broccoli. That's 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 like a Sunday dinner. Yeah. Okay. That's any night dinner. And my I had two thoughts on this. Two questions. One. Did he not grow up with a decent Thanksgiving? Well, she's shown him one for the last 16 years. Oh, yeah. Maybe when. Good point. Okay. And the second thing is, does he not care about food? Because, you know, there are people, there are people yeah. who think about food the way others do about, say, using the bathroom, that it's strictly functional and otherwise it gets in the way of yes. what I really want to do, which is whatever. But I think that's a travesty. So I don't think she's an a-hole for taking back over. I think it's sad that she had to take over. Because Very sad. Because he he was offered man. he was offered the restaurant option, and he said no, I got this, babe. And he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it now. If it were just their immediate family, that's one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But his family's coming over, and then they're gonna look at her like, "You didn't cook this year, this and is this it? is what we get." Right. And the potluck option had passed. Yes. Right. They lot that 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 ship has sailed. So they can't do potluck because that was the other thing. And and that's very unfortunate because that really should be the way to do. I mean, that's what we're doing at this Thursday is everybody's bringing something, nice. you know, which is a great and way to do it because it really does it take is. the pressure off of one person. I it, will it, say, it does. I think he's more the a hole for having dropped the ball on this. Yeah, she, however, has miscalculated. Whether it's man or woman, you do not break them in on a Thanksgiving no. dinner. For everyone. And I no. and now she did offer him restaurants. So that was a good first move. When he says he's going to handle the dinner, you say, sweetie, I think we got to do the restaurant because you got to practice a couple times before you do well, things. And from the dinner. get-go, she, she and her instincts were correct. She knew from the get-go that he wasn't planning and thinking about a menu weeks ahead, which is if I was going to have Thanksgiving at our house and I was doing it, I could tell you it would be like planning D-Day. No. It would be like Operation Overlord. Which side of D-Day? Okay, so... That's a, that's a joke for some of our Subbeacon listeners, actually. <laughs> so a, he says... Just a giant wall defense. I don't know. I'm just kidding. So he okay. says that the wife is being controlling for insisting on serving more than that. I don't think in this case she is. She's she's preserving... Part of part of this is preserving a relationship with her in-laws because yeah, people uh, are going to yeah, come to yeah, the house and expect they'd, they'd a, be offended. Yeah, they'll be offended. Expect a good meal here. But I, do, I will say this, and I think this happens in many, many a household, particularly with women. So this is a warning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be very heteronormative mm-hmm. here. If you are going to let your husband do something, again, start smaller scale than Thanksgiving, if that's a thing you have real ownership over. Mm-hmm. But things like watching the kids, dressing the kids, packing the kids, whatever it is, yeah. things that you ger- sort of generally have domain over. That's right. You got to kind of let him do it his way or else he won't be doing it right like that yeah uh, this mm-hmm. is a thing a thing but that at I think least couples, aim for something yeah a couple's yeah. couples run into this problem where it's like you got to let go of the reins a little bit if you're going to have someone else help you out this is particularly in the kid realm and as an example today my husband before he left for work he knows we're heading out for thanksgiving before him because he's got to do some work 
he had packed the baby. So I got a full diaper bag. Mr. Logistics guy, right? I got a yes. full diaper bag. I got everything. The the formula, yeah. the pack and play accessories, all the stuff. Right. I'm like, that's fantastic. But you know what I know is that there's not a cute turkey-themed outfit in there. Okay? Because he does it a little differently than I do. This is what I'm... So I can supplement with my yes. one or two cute outfits for the baby and maybe a hair bow. But he's got the rest of it down. But in order for him to do that, I got to let go. I got to let go. So just like a... That's good. That's good. <laughs> I, and the benefits are great to me. I mean, my goodness. No, that's it. And, 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 and as, as, as Mel Gibson says in The Patriot, aim small, miss small. That's all. Okay? <laughs> I want, let's end it there. I will really quickly, we will talk perhaps in the next episode for, for our listeners. This Friday at freebeacon.com, I have a review of a book called Meet Me by the Fountain, History of the Mall. I can't, not, I can't not wait the to national, talk about this. Not the National Mall, yes. but rather the shopping mall, which is, I'm from Jersey, and we could talk because the book actually talks about places like, I think it's called Northgate and yes. South Square and places. This is all Durham this and stuff like This is my home like mall. Yeah. It's your turf. So lots of talk, and I want to know what America, how she got through Black Friday. So on that note, let's wrap this up. Another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you could follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. Yes, I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack. I am at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. We do have a little bit of a programming shift for you guys on Friday. I will have an interview with Jennifer Say, author of Levi's Unbuttoned, The Woke Mob Took My Job But Gave Me My Voice. She's a very outspoken, open schools mom. And so if you, you'll enjoy that, that sort of long form interview with her on Friday because we wanted to give you something to get you through this week while Vic is continuing to cook and eat. And <laughs> then we will be back. all true. Then we will be back with mall, mall Talk. So you guys stay healthy, enjoy your families, and let go of the reins. Enjoy the food. Right? We good? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> this has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.